Welcome to the December 12th edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm David Morrissey. On today's show, we got a little bit of catching up to do after this weekend's pretty interesting 5-4 victory over the Calgary Flames, where there were some interesting moments off and on the ice for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's get right to it. This is the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your daily fix for all things Leafs. I'm your host, David Morrissey from Sportsnet. Mike DeStefano, he is on vacation. If you missed the last episode, he is again sailing away on a cruise somewhere nice and warm so I can be not miserable, not miserable because the Leafs did win this weekend, but I would rather be enjoying the sunny weather. Let's be honest here. I would even love recording in sunny weather right now, but have no fear. I am here to bring you the latest in Leafs land here on the Locked On Leafs podcast. And we got we got a lot to talk about on today's show. I'm going to go solo today because I do have some guests potentially lined up for the rest of the week. I also want to break down this uh, past weekend's game against the Calgary Flames. Just remember, everyone, Locked On Leafs is a Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you're joining us on YouTube for the first time, you got to make sure you're subscribed. We want to continue to push to get our subscriber numbers up. As Mike has mentioned many times on the podcast, we are trying to beat the Montreal Canadiens to 3,000. Well, obviously, we want to stay ahead of them the entire time. But if they get to 3K before we do, I'm not going to be very happy. So let's continue to work towards it. We've been doing a very good job. We're we're in good pace but I want to I want to keep pushing. I want to get on a very torrid pace right now. So the as I mentioned right off the hop, it was a very interesting weekend for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Calgary Flames were in town. They were second of their back-to-back after a very disappointing night uh against the Columbus Blue Jackets where they lost in their first showdown in the uh the the post Johnny Gaudreau era where they've played against the former uh, star winger for the first time since he decided to surprise the entire hockey world and sign with the Columbus Blue Jackets over the Calgary Flames. Now, he constantly said that the decision was one that he kind of made after some you know long t- discussion. He had considered Cal- going back to Calgary right until almost the 11th hour and decided he wanted to go to Columbus. So Calgary got their first opportunity to go into Columbus and maybe stick it to their former uh, teammate who that team, Mike and I discussed this on the show last week. They were coming off a very embarrassing loss to the Buffalo Sabres. And what happened? Calgary Flames didn't get the job done. So they were coming up to this, to last Saturday, no, this past Saturday's game against the Leafs, looking to get a little bit of revenge, right? Looking to get that bad taste out of their mouth. And, it was this was a game where you could tell the Leafs were fighting it a little bit, right? You know, sure, the Leafs would love to go toe to toe offensively with any team in the league. Calgary's not really that style either. This was a surprising part about this game right off the hop for me is that 
Calgary is not a team that wants to trade offensive chances. They've been struggling to get things going offensively. When you lose a, you know, a Johnny Gaudreau, a Matthew Kachuk, two guys that had over 100 points, you got to find a way to replace that production as best you can. Jonathan Huberdeau has been slowly, slowly getting himself comfortable with his new surroundings here uh, there in Calgary. And, you know, he's he was the one that kind of helped them get things going a little bit offensively in this game. But it was very surprising to kind of see the backs and forth. Now, Calgary was on the second half of a back-to-back, so, you know, they're probably just trying to get through this game, trying to get Toronto, beat Toronto a little bit to try to open things up a little bit more offensively. And you, you kind of did see that a little bit. It, I mean, it worked in the least favor uh, at you know, many points in the game. The quick, quick responses, quick chances going in both ways. But there were some, there were some very interesting moments in this one. Not just the, not just you know who scored the goals, but the situation of the goals too. Right, Michael Bunting tying the game in the third period after. He was getting so many great chances. He's been getting great chances all season long. They just haven't been going in for him. And the goal he does score to tie the game was such a difficult play to score on. Go figure, right? Sometimes the easy ones don't want to go in. But when you work just that little bit harder, they seem to want to go in a little bit easier when you put in a little bit more of the work. Now, Michael Bunting has been putting in the work. I'm not saying he hasn't put in the work. But sometimes... You just got to get into those hard areas. Try to make the goalie work a little bit more to save them, right? Some of the shots I've been seeing have been right at the goalie. Now, you're, whenever, when you're struggling to get, you're just going to try to get as many chances and then hope something goes in. But it was nice to see Michael Bunting not only score a goal, but score an important goal for this team. I think that's something that will definitely boost the confidence level for him, especially considering he's playing for a contract. He's got a lot to play for this season. So nice to see Michael Bunting get on the goals goal back on the goal scoring list. Mitch Marner. What can we say about Mitch Marner? The guy just continues to find ways to get that streak extended. The impressive part of him, and you know, Mike, I'm sure has brought this up many times before about how the fact that not only is Marner continuing to put up points but trying to get it done earlier in the game and not i think that that experience against the uh the experience where you know how many times you miss an open net almost potentially lose out the streak you know against the sharks because you're you know missing open nets guys are trying to feed you the puck i don't think he wants to be dealing with that but right now he's on that 22 game uh point streak and as uh, the NHL mentioned, this is uh, one of this is now getting into the territory. He's getting into the territory like the longest point streak since the 87 88. So I'm actually going to pull up uh, the graphic right now because I think it's a very uh, it's a very interesting list here when you look at you know where players kind of currently rank in terms of you know where's Marner getting to when it comes to the. Uh, rankings here so i'm actually this is a little bit short so I'm, there i think that's a little bit bigger for you guys to read here so here's martin here at the bottom 
Oh, let me remove my name so you guys on YouTube can see it. So those of you that are listening to this on audio, I will explain a little bit further. So Mitch Marner here at 22 games. Danny Heatley, man, some callbacks some names here. But Danny Heatley and Stevie Eisman. So those are guys he tied for longest point streak in recent memory. Uh, Heatley did it back in 2005. Eisman back in 87, 88. The most recent player on this list to have a point streak at 22 games or more, Sydney, sorry, Patrick Kane back in 2015 when he had 26. So if Marner continues to push and push, 23 is next on the list. Um, it's funny how many times Wayne Gretzky's name is on this. It's twice. Um, I hate to say this, but Mario Lemieux, who's at the top of the list here at 46 games, Hate to say, Marner, that's going to be a very, very tall, tough task. 46 games, absolutely ridiculous. He did that back in 89, 90. But I think when, uh, what I wanted to point out here about this list is, considering that it's been seven years since we've seen a streak, like go like him getting in like this realm of streaks, like this is not something that happens very often, and this is why it should be celebrated like it is. Just imagine if potentially he goes into like the 25 range. We're talking about like stuff that Gretzky was doing. Brett Hall, Crosby did it in 2010. Patrick Kane, 26. If he actually gets to 27, now we have to obviously take it a game at a time. But if he gets it to 27, imagine if he would, that would mean he would have the most longest active point streak in recent memory. Like, that's just incredible to think. So Mitch Marner just continue to do what he needs to do. Another player that I'm going to throw a little criticism out here, Matt Murray, not his best performance. He got the job done. He had to make some tough saves. You know, considering how good he has been and the fact the least one, the offense kind of helped him out a little bit there. I'm going to say, all right, not we want to see him get back to the Matt Murray of the last few weeks. This was not an easy game by, by any stretch. This was a weird game. So Matt Murray did get the goal support he needed. So just needs to keep going. Just keep working. You know, not, you're not going to be getting shutouts every night. I hate to say this. We got to get back to reality a little bit here. I do want to discuss the Noah Hannafin goal that happened. Such a weird play. There's also a little, uh, Daryl Sutter situation I wanted to address. Uh, we'll discuss that a little bit later as well. We also got to get to our three stars of the game. We're going to keep that uh, tradition going with Mike not here. So we will get to that in a moment. But before we do all that, let me tell you about today's sponsor. And that is Simply Safe. I locked on these. We believe home should be where you and your family feel safest especially over the holiday season. So this season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On Leaf listeners 40% off a new security system. But don't put this off. Holiday season, you know, people coming around you know, packages are being delivered. That's become a very big one. I actually once had a package taken off of my uh, 
off of my veranda. We call it verandas uh, here in Canada. I don't know if everyone else calls it the same. Some call it porch. Um, but I had one taken from the from my doorstep. Not a happy camper. Amazon was very, very, um, very kind about it, actually. Um, but you definitely don't want this experience to happen to you. So this is why having a security system like Simply Safe is very important. You get to see everything on your phone. So you got all these crystal clear HD cameras. You can watch everything on your phone. All these high tech sensors. So you'll find out if somebody's at your door, whether through the camera feed, through the sensors, through the anyway. You will know if somebody is trying to look at uh, what's going on at your doorstep. Okay, and Simply Safe really has your back with twenty four seven monitoring agents and customer support staff. Okay, they were named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report. Third year in a row. That's another streak I like to hear about, guys. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get higher priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced new sensors for every room, two window and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion, they alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors like that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs under $1 a day, less than half the price of a traditional home security system. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, Seeing complete control of your system, arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your camera or adjust system settings anywhere, anytime. So don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system. Get 40% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL today. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. There's no safe like simply safe. All right. Welcome back into locked on these podcasts. David Morissuti here. Mike DeSefano is on vacation, so I will be hosting the show for the week. I am bringing on guests. I am, I've got a few booked. I am looking at a few more. Just waiting for a few callbacks, cashing in some favors. May I have to give a little panettone or two. Us Italians know you got to give a panettone to anyone who does a nice, you know, if you need a little favor done. So we're going to be looking to make sure that we keep this show rolling full out from Monday to Friday, as we bring you five days a week of Leafs content. Now, being of Leafs content, the boys are bringing some good stuff. Okay, we have seen this win streak continue, even if they had lost in overtime. We didn't even discuss the fact that the Leafs won a game in overtime. Now, as the Discord channel let me know as soon as that overtime game won, they're like, David. Excuse me. Technically, this wasn't a three-on-three overtime win because of the power play goal, four-on-three that Mitch Marner scored. Guys, buzzkill. The fact that he even won a game in overtime should be cause for celebration at this point. But the funny thing here is I didn't even mention it off top about all the things that were going on in this game. David Kampf, Timothy Lilligren, Erasmus Sandin started overtime. The Sheldon Keith decided 
We're going to go defensive to start throughout three. Now, two pretty skillful defensemen, but <coughs> David Camp would not be the first player I asked to come over the boards in overtime. I don't know if that was, you know, just because of who Calgary was sending out right away. I just love the dynamic that those were the three that came out over the boards. Whistle happens right off the draw because Rasmus Sandin takes a takes a stick to the face. And then you couldn't have asked for anything better, obviously, if you're the least, because then those three guys go back over the board uh, on the bench. Four forwards come over the boards for the overtime. And Mitch Marner does what he's been pretty much doing over the last 22 games, and that's find a way to get the puck in the net. Just what a way to end that game. <coughs> I apologize, you guys. I'm getting over a cold here. So you're going to be seeing this a little bit throughout the show. My apologies. But um, it, this is just a crazy way for that game to go. But you have to really love how the Leafs were battling all this stuff. They still found a way to win that game. People are definitely probably getting nervous about overtime. I mean, the Discord channel was like, oh, three on three overtime. As you know, at least we're able to pull that out. Who were the main reasons for pulling out the big league? So let's talk about the three stars of the game. Third star, I kind of brought them off off the top. But let's give a little shout out for uh, Tim- Timothy Lilligren and Rasmus Sandin. I thought that pairing was really good in this game, especially Sandin. Two assists on the night. Power play was, I mean, Lee's had a lot of power play chances. So he got a lot of opportunities to do what he needed to do in this game, but I thought, you know, you didn't, you didn't notice a lot of mistakes from those young defensemen. I felt that, you know, Jordano Hall didn't really have the best game personally that I, I I've, we've seen better from them. Uh, I mean, this was a tougher matchup for this Leaves team in comparison to what they've been going through the last uh, little while. So, you know, not going to be perfect every night, but I thought those two, uh, Lily Green and Sandy really stood out. Now, second star, how can we not continue to give love to Mitch Marner and continue to put the puck in the net? Um, you know, assisting on goals, scoring goals. I was, uh, I guess, on the Locked On NHL show. That's going to be coming out. It likely will come out after uh, this podcast comes out. But pretty much ask me what's been leading the, you know, why the, has Toronto, you know, been on this run that they've been on? So look at what Mitch Marner's been doing, right? He's kind of leading the charge here with, with his point streak, and then the other guys are falling suit, right? When you got one guy doing so well, other guys get they don't they're 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 coming they're coming through for the team, right? Who better than the first star that I have? And that is William Nylander. Five points, a career high for him. It's like it took a career high, career high night for Sheldon Keith to just be like. Now, I, I think William Nylander, he's getting in that tier with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. That's quite a thing for Sheldon Keefe to say, considering everything that, you know, that relationship between him and Nylander has been an up and down one, right? He likes to, he's been challenging Nylander to really up his game in many ways. I think Nylander has been, the last few seasons we've seen growth from him, but this season, what he is doing right now, is just it's it's making this Leafs team such such a great team to watch right now just because 
You got Marner performing well. Matthews is performing well. Tavares is is showing consistency. Then Nylander is just taking his game to another level. It's 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 really fun to see this because we have seen spurts of this from William Nylander. Right, I go all the way back to that playoff series against Montreal, where a lot of people want to forget about that series. I don't forget about what William Nylander did in that series. He was by far the least best forward in that series and he's he's been carrying a little bit of that going in you know the last few years now obviously everyone will like to see what happens in the playoffs with with nylander i just think he's he's showing maturity and that is only going to benefit this leafs team more as the playoffs come around so they i mean sure a lot can change i'm not guaranteeing every anything Nobody can guarantee anything at this point. But you cannot say that you have not been impressed with what you've seen from William Nylander at this point. Okay. Um, you just got to see him continue to continue to bring it. You know, he's getting that chance with Austin Matthews. You know, Mitch Murner with John Tavares has worked really well. So you got to keep you got to keep that balance of the one-two punch. It's funny enough because I thought Nylander was doing pretty well with Tavares, and you know they needed to make the change to get Marner and Matthews going a little bit here. And and Nylander's continued to do his thing. He's been unaffected by all of this. He's scoring on the power play. He's scoring at five on five. He's making goalies like Jonathan Quick look silly with his uh, with his uh, breakaway moves. So I do want to see if this is uh, something we're going to be accustomed to seeing from William Nylander going forward. So those are my three stars of the game. I would like to hear if you have any other three stars you want to give a shout out to. I think it's important that we continue to give shout outs to uh, players who played well in, you know, in these games. Now I didn't mention in the first segment that there were some things going on both on and off the ice. that I still want to get to namely that bizarre goal that Noah Hennepin had. And a lot of people wondering why the heck did that goal be allowed in this game? There's also the Daryl Sutter comments after the game, which I want to discuss, but we're going to get to that in the final segment here. We have one more show sponsor to give a shout out to. And that is our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for sports, betting, info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football, basketball, soccer, hockey, and esports. They got it all covered at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find them at betonline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Welcome back to the Locked On These podcast. I'm David Morrisuti here. Just a reminder, everybody, five days a week, Locked On These is bringing you the best Leafs content you can ask for. Remember, tell all your friends to make sure they're subscribed to us on YouTube and on iTunes, wherever they get their podcasts. Leave us a review on iTunes. We want to make sure that we're providing the best content for you. And the only way we know if we are is if we're getting the right, if we're getting rated, right? Leave us some ratings. Leave us some reviews. Let us know if we are satisfying your Leafs content needs. So (coughs) I mentioned 
a few things that I wanted to discuss. Get off my chest. Okay. Let's discuss this goal that happened in the game where I don't know what was going on with Matt Murray on this play. Let, let's let's firstly get that off our chest. That goal should never have gone in in the first place. Matt Murray should not have lost track of the puck. I think what really happened, if you really looked at the play, I don't have the play in front of me, but um, I am going to put it over on top as I do talk about it. But what I feel feels like happened to me, and I'm going to describe it on audio for those who might have missed it too, is that it seems like he never secured the puck. He never had the puck when the, when uh, Noah Hanfin shot it at him. And as he was moving side to side, the puck was going in off of him and into the net. Because of the angle, he was not really facing. It was just such a weird angle the shot was taken from. I think it just caught him off guard, and he was trying to move to the left, secure it, so that, it'd be, um, so that he could get the whistle. Now, a lot of people were wondering, well, the whistle was being blown, so why was the goal allowed? Because there's also the rule that it's not just when the whistle was blown, but when was the intention of the whistle being blown? Isn't that the rule? A lot of people were asking that. And look, I kind of thought so as well. But here, and, and look, this is something that I'll tell you that um, our I wasn't working on Saturday, so I didn't put this together, but I know uh, the people who were working always want to make sure that if a goal like this is scored, we got to figure out what the heck happened. Why did this goal get scored? So here's a... If you went to sportsnet.ca, there was actually a bit of an explainer of why this goal went in. So I'm going to read it for those who are listening on audio. So following a review by the on-ice officials, the goal was ruled good for the Flames because the shot completely crossed the line as a culmination of a continuous play, according to the NHL Situation Room. Murray had not made the save on Hannafin's shot, and the puck was crossing the goal line as a result. The decision was in accordance with Rule 37.3i, which states when a goal is subject to a video review, such as a puck entering the net as a combination of a continuous play, where the result of the play was unaffected by any whistle blown by the referee upon his losing sight of the puck. So as Hannafin's shot was crossing the line, as a continuous play, almost simultaneously to the whistle sounding, the goal was allowed. So pretty much, they're saying that Murray didn't save it. Murray didn't have control at all of the puck, right? Because if he was holding it and the whistle went, then that's fine because he would he had possession and he froze the puck. But he never had he never froze the puck, and it snuck through him and it went in. The refs didn't see it, but because they didn't see it and they were blowing the play dead as the puck was entering the net, they can review to see that it went in the net. And look, the people reviewing the, the footage would have flagged the fact that the puck was entering the net as the whistle was blown. So they could call it down and say, ah, the puck was in the net when the whistle was uh, and the whistle wasn't or the whistle was blown and the puck was going in the net. That goal is a good goal. It's a very weird rule. It's an interesting rule. It's gone in favor of goaltenders many times where, you know what? They didn't necessarily have it frozen, but because the ref lost sight of it, they blow it dead and then the puck goes in because the other team finds it. It's such a tough thing because 
those are plays that you know refs have to they, refs have to either be in the right position, right? It's tough. All this goaltenders, their equipment's huge. A puck can get lost in it. I think you know what. If that was a goal to decide the game, it would have been a totally different story of how this kind of game kind of all went out. Luckily, luckily that goal did not decide the game. What did decide the game, though, was let's be honest here: the Flames taking that penalty right off the faceoff in overtime, because instead of the Leafs being in full defense mode with David Camp, Sanding, and Lilligren on the ice to start throughout the overtime. Leafs then got to send out the nuclear option of Tavares, Nylander, Matthews, and Marner for the power play to score the game winner. Now, head coach Daryl Sutter had a few words. I do have this queued up. So I'm going to let him discuss the way that penalties were called in this game against the Flames when he was asked about kind of all the penalties. Let me just... uh, Keep this up right here, and I'll let you guys who are on YouTube, you'll see this is Daryl Sutter, Sutter, Daryl Sutter talking after the game. You'll get to hear it on audio. So this is what Daryl Sutter had to say about the, about the penalties being called against his team. Well, that's one thing I learned a long time ago, Eric. When you're in the in Chicago all those years, when you play and you come into Toronto, you know what goes on. I won't say nothing more. But this is two games in a row. You guys had a lot of passes. So then write about it. I mean, do you think they were all penalties tonight? I don't. So. so a couple of interesting notes from there. So Daryl Sutter, if you if you didn't fully catch what he was saying, so Daryl Sutter was mentioning that back in his time when he was playing in Chicago and you would come into Toronto, you would expect the Leafs to kind of get calls. So you're going to, you know what's going on and I won't say more. It's pretty much saying, you know, Toronto's going to get the fair share of the refs calls because you're in Toronto. You don't want to make the, you know, the wrong calls in Toronto because all eyes are on the game because Toronto gets the highest views. (sighs) That's a tough one, right? To come out and say that. Especially when your team loses, right? It, it kind of makes people feel like you're blaming the refs for the loss. I'm not a fan when coaches do that because if you looked at this game, first off, the right call was made in overtime. Stick, hit, face, high sticking. Cut cut and dry. Is that he high sticked him or he didn't? Now, if he high if he got him or if he didn't get him, let's say he complete let's say it was a curfew situation in the game six of the playoffs. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Leafs actually don't always get the favor of the calls, just so Daryl Seller knows. But let's say Huberdo didn't hit. Like the stick went up, but Sandy kind of snaps his head back, trying to maybe sell, or he thought he was going to get hit. And sometimes players' reaction is to try to move their head. Then, yeah, then Daryl Seller would have complete, he could definitely make this claim. But when your players are hitting other, the opposing team's players in the face with the stick, and it happened multiple times in this game. Happened to Austin Matthews. They were even, had to even review it to see if it was going to be a four-minute major. You four-minute, not four-minute double minor, not a major. But like, I don't know what Daryl Sutter expects the refs to do to just turn, and I don't know what people expect the refs to do. Turn a blind eye to a high stick to the face. 
Like, what do you want the refs to do here, guys? Like, we complain sometimes the officiating could be bad in the NHL, but that was actually not terrible. You know, there was that penalty on Vladar tripping. Like, is is uh, Sutter complaining about that penalty where Vladar clearly trips Joey Anderson with his stick as he's trying to make a play and score a goal? Sure, cross-checks. Cross-checking seems like it can get called either way. There's blatant cross-checks you have to call, and there's some that, you know, you the ref doesn't like it when, you know, players give the little extra shot from behind. It's sometimes it's the ref's discretion with those plays, but the high stick. And I, and look, Daryl Sutter, Sutter wasn't complaining about the high. Like he wasn't saying that wasn't appealing. He's just saying in general, he felt the Leafs were getting uh favorable. You know, Toronto will get favorable calls to debunk the idea about the Leafs getting the most penalties called against them. Um, this is from, this is a, um, actually a chart that was put out by, uh, Bianca, Bianca Zilla. I'm going to pull it up right here. That states, all right, Sutter might want to get his team out of the 10 top 10 most penalized teams this season before crying. The, the Calgary Flames have taken a lot of penalties. And what really confused me about what Daryl Sutter said is that he blamed this as a Toronto thing. And you heard, I don't know if you heard, but it was Eric Francis uh, kind of kind of poking into his narrative about the Leafs getting favorable calls. First off, as you can see here, the Flames are among the top 10 of the teams that are getting uh, penalties called. So maybe your team has a bit of a discipline issue, Daryl. Um, but he said, but how does that explain you getting called seven penalties the night before? And he was just like, well, that's for you to write. You heard that, right? That's pretty much him saying, I don't agree with all the calls that are being called against. Your issues then with the calls being made because your players are clearly, something's not going right here. I don't know what Daryl Sutter is really expecting differently from the refs. They're calling. I think they're calling the calls right. Let me know in the comments if I'm totally off on this, but I didn't think the Leafs were getting a bias of calls in this game. I just think, you know, especially Leafs had the battle and the Flames got caught in certain situations. Even Toronto got calls. It's not like Toronto didn't get any penalties. Let's not forget a few games ago in Dallas. Toronto was like penalty killers were on like uh, had to be on like oxygen after the game probably because of how many penalties they took in that game against Dallas. All the five on threes, you know, how many times Jordano Hall were in the penalty box. Like it's not like the Leafs don't get penalties called against them either. So I don't know. I, I just think this was just a coach that wasn't happy with how the game ended. It ended on it ended on a penalty. They had a lot of penalties called against them two nights in a row. It's been a trend for them all season. Maybe it has more to do with maybe trying to figure out why your team is finding themselves in the penalty box more. But the Leafs came away with the win. That's the most important thing, right? They continue their point streak. They're continuing to find ways to win. Was that game a perfect game from start to finish? No. But you know what? I don't expect every game to be 5 nothing. For nothing. I don't expect the least to dominate every game. And you know what? Once in a while, you're going to have these back and forth games. 
it was actually quite an entertaining game. I'm not complaining, really. Um, but there were some things that the Leafs do need to work on. I will discuss more of that because we are running out of time here. And we do have another game to tee up. Okay, I am going to be doing that on the next show. Uh, the Leafs will be playing against the Anaheim Ducks on Tuesday. So I will preview that game on the next episode of Locked on Leafs Podcast. So that will do us here today. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show. It's been a little while since I've done a solo show. So thank you for bearing with me. I will have guests that will we'll get to have a little bit of banter and back and forth on a lot of things Leafs. So make sure you come back to receive your daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at D underscore or Sudi. Follow Mike at Mickey underscore Canuck and follow the show at Locked on Leafs. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Even hit the little notification so you know when this episode, the next episode, the next episode after that comes out. We'll have more of that on future episodes on Tuesday when I discuss the next game against the Anaheim Ducks. But until then, keep locked right here on Locked on Leafs.